Hello, I am Tom McCabe, and I've been asked to give one of your Good Friday reflections. Now, if you're like me, like just about every one of us, we're holed up in our homes during this COVID crisis that's going on, and so we're celebrating Holy Week amidst unusual maybe chaos or noises. I'm outside here in my backyard. Uh, you may hear the birds chirping and the wind and that sort of thing. And we have to deal with the elements. I could have done it inside, but I thought, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful day, but let's, let's deal with the distractions that are going to happen with us during Good Friday. You're probably in your home somewhere, and you've got uh, three kids underfoot that are making noises, or maybe you're trying to work and you're in the office part of the day and the dog's barking, or whatever it is, and you're trying to memorialize, make special this Good Friday day. Well. God accompanies us through all of this. Uh, let me give you an example of a story with all of that. Um, when I was young, uh, early late 60s, early 70s, I was kindergarten in those first years of elementary school. Uh, my dad, every Sunday night, would do adoration. This was before it was a novel thing. And my dad would um, say, uh, hey, he was the king of guilt trips, and he would say, well, does anybody want to go with dad to adoration? And his kids would be like, no, not really. And my dad would say something like, well, that's okay. I'll, Papa will go by himself. And I remember one night I was in bed in the sense of, oh, my dad's going alone. I need to accompany him. I jumped out of bed, put on my slippers, ran out the door, got into the car with my dad, and I went with my father to adoration in my pajamas. And as I sat there next to him, we were looking at this tabernacle, and I didn't even fully understand what was going on, but I did know that I was accompanying my dad because he was important to me. And that's what today is. We are accompanying Jesus because it's important to him and it's important to us. Today's meditation, we could cover so many things, but I want to talk about this simple truth of accompaniment. Accompanying Jesus on his road to Calvary and letting him accompany you. Every one of those Sunday nights, we would pray the Stations of the Cross. It's one of my dad's favorite prayers. And he prayed that for nearly 30, 30 years of his life, every single day because he thought it was important to accompany Jesus uh, at his hardest time. Today is that hardest day that we're going to celebrate. Uh, it, it is actually Holy Thursday for me, and I'm going to show you my garden real quick. I mean, this is where I'm going to probably celebrate this evening, going to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is my garden out here, and I'll probably put some torches out here, some lights, and do my reflection out here. Above me is our, you can see our deck, if you can see that. That's going to be our upper room this evening where my wife and I will celebrate our Seder meal with our family. And we will, again, memorialize that, that Last Supper meal. Uh, and it's, it's different. It's a different Holy Week experience than usual. And yet, we have to trust that this is a gift 
a gift from the Lord that he wants to accompany us. He wants to accompany you in this unique triduum experience that you're having today being Good Friday for you. So as you are going through your day, as you walk the road of Calvary with the Lord, as you serve whoever it is you're called to serve today, as you fast, as you pray, accompany Jesus in a special way by also letting him accompany you. Because isn't that what Good Friday is truly about? Him accompanying us to the depths of our poverty, our brokenness, our wounds, our sin. He went to whatever lengths it would take to be with us. And that's what we're doing today. We will accompany him in a very special way by also letting him accompany us in our brokenness. Now there's a second reading that we read in the, the liturgy today. I'm going to read this to you real quick here. It comes from Hebrews. It says, Brothers and sisters, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Listen to this, right? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet is without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. It goes on to say this, In the days when Christ was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Hopefully that's beginning to impress on you a little that's what Jesus did for us today. Cries and tears and moans and groans and pain and suffering for you and for me. This incredible mercy. So as we go on today, wherever you are, whether you're doing a veneration of the cross, whether you're doing the stations of the cross, whether you're doing the liturgy of the word where you're following the passion of Christ, not only focus on what he did, how much he gave, but why he did it. Ask him personally, Jesus, why did you do that? Why did you do that for me? Why did you go through such pain and suffering for me when I am so wretched? How could you have ever chosen to do that for me? And listen, listen to his answer. I recall that scene from The Passion of the Christ. You, if you've seen it, you, you will probably remember this iconic moment when Jesus is walking the road to Calvary and he stumbles and falls with that heavy cross falling on him. And his mother is nearby and she sees him fall and she recalls this moment when Jesus was a small child and he fell and hurt himself. And Mary rushes to pick up Jesus as a small child. And that emotion fills her up. And she runs to Jesus in that moment to comfort him, to be with him. We all need to be that as well. We run, we, we are there to be run with Jesus. And what does Jesus say? 
does he say, Them darn sinners, Mom. If only they didn't do what they did, I wouldn't have to do this. Or, it just isn't worth it, Mom. He looks at his mother and he says, Mother, I make all things new. It's like he's hitting. It's like, I'm getting to the end, Mother. I can see the end is near. I'm making all things new. I am dying for, for Tom, for Cindy, for Father Jason, for Sister Monica. I, right now, I am making it new, and I am, I am with them, Mother. I am accompanying them. Pray for me that I do not falter. You see, everything hinged on this moment that he could accomplish what needed to be done. You see, today is a feast day. We celebrate Good Friday as a feast day. But it's unlike any other feast day. You think of the, the, the feast of all feasts is Easter, Easter Sunday, right? If that is the great feast day, then Good Friday is the great fast day. Um, if Easter is the victory parade, Good Friday is the battle of all battles. It's when the battle was fiercest. If Easter Sunday is the resurrection, and Good Friday is divine, merciful love incarnate, fully expressed for you and me, it's where he showed his love to its heightened degree. So as you're walking the road today and you're looking at what Jesus did and you're meditating upon what did Jesus do for me, I encourage you to also ask, why though? Why did you do this, Jesus? And listen to his merciful love. It all hinges on this moment. Uh, if you are, like me, a Lord of the Rings fan, you may recall the Good Friday in the story of the, uh, in the trilogy. It's at the end of book three, and there's this huge battle. Uh, it's called the, the Battle of the Black, if you recall the story. Everything hinges on this moment. The men of Gondor, the small band of men, go to the gates of Mordor, and the dark lord Sauron, who is there fighting, who, the one who crafted this ring of power that can crush everything, right? Uh, they go to fight him at the end, and interesting enough, uh, they lead uh, the evil Lord Saren into believing that they, they hold this ring of power outside his gate, and they're going to crush him. And he has a plan. He knows that they're not going to be able to get away with it. But in truth, there are these two simple hobbits who snuck into the depths of Mordor to Mount Doom, and they need to thrust this ring of power into the, the Mount Doom where it was forged to crush all of the Dark Lord Sauron's plans. Everything, brothers and sisters, hinge on the ability of these two small, uh, simple hobbits to accomplish this task. If they cannot accomplish it, then all is lost. And everybody's waiting, hoping that they can accomplish this. If you're a World War II buff, you might, you probably know the story of D-Day, June 6th, 1944. When before that time, I mean, really, the Allies were being crushed by the Germans. And the Allies spent months and months preparing for this important day, D-Day, where 156,000 forces 
of Canadians, Americans, and Brits would storm the beaches of Normandy, a 50-mile span, um, to take, reclaim continental Europe. Many, many lives were lost that day. It was a risk. Uh, it, they, there were a lot of odds against them, but everything hinged on this, that this, this either would become the turn of the tide or else the Allies would be crushed. Let me personalize it a little more. During World War II, there was a simple friar, Franciscan friar, by the name of St. Maximilian Kolbe. And this Polish friar was in a concentration camp, Auschwitz. And if you recall the story, three men had escaped the concentration camp. And so the commandant brought forth ten men and said, These, if, if anybody tries this again, ten men will be starved to death. And one man who was a father said, was afraid, please, I, I, I have a family, uh, don't pick me. One man came forward, St. Maximilian Kolbe, and said, choose me instead. And he was chosen on behalf of him. And he instead took his place and was starved to death with those ten men. In their cell, the solitude cells, those ten men, there was one who sang praises and led the others in prayers, and it was St. Maximilian Kolbe. But you see, everything for that one man whose life was saved, who was spared that day, hinged on that Franciscan friar, that priest, to say, Lord, take me instead. Right? I, I, so his, his life was hinged on Maximilian Kolbe saying yes. Everything hinged on that. Today, brothers and sisters, <laughs> our salvation, our very salvation, hinges on the successful mission, this deathly mission of Jesus Christ. Okay? His all-merciful love going to whatever depths it takes to love us, to accompany us, and to forgive us. Okay? So this act of accompanying is so critical. Accompany Jesus today and let him accompany you. And when we do this, I, I encourage you not to keep any of your wretchedness, any of your sin from the Lord. It's easy for us to bring our um, the sins that we're not too ashamed of to the Lord. right? But he went to the cross for the depth of our wretchedness, the depth of our misery. You see, the cross wasn't easy for Christ. Storming the beaches of Normandy was not easy, but it was so important. It's what, it's what needed to be done. So Christ is going to the Calvary today. He's going to climb the cross, and it isn't going to be easy, but he does it for the depth of our pain, the depth of our suffering. And all he asks is that we accompany him and let him accompany us. So when I say bring it all to him, think of it in these terms. Of um, There's an analogy I would use for my students many times. When you take your trash outside and you put it in the trash can, right? You typically put the lid on it, right? Because it stinks. Well, on trash day, what do you do? Do you take part of your trash out to the curb, or do you take 
all of the trash out. You take all of the trash out. Why? Because if you don't, it stinks up the backyard. You've got to put it all out there. This is all that Christ asks of us. He goes, bring me all of your sin, all of that stench, because I want to remove all of it. Don't hold on to any of it, especially that which, which stinks the most, the most wretched. On Good Friday, we bring all of our wretchedness to the Lord because he wants to remove it. He wants to take it from us. If you don't, it's going to stink. And God does something incredibly beautiful. He takes all of it and he puts something in its place. He removes all of that and forgives us. What he puts in its place is his very self. He gives his very self to us, to accompany us in those lowest spots, those hardest times that we're going through. I think of it almost like also like a reservoir. If I am a reservoir of, of God's love, this water, you know, this basin of water, uh, if I don't allow God's grace to flow into it, what's going to happen? Well, either it's going to dry up, right? Or else the water is going to get so murky. And nobody wants to drink from that water. Nobody wants to fish and enjoy that water. I have to let God's grace come into that, to become part of that wretchedness, so to speak, and change it, cleanse it, transform it, and fill it up so that it's overflowing. That God's love and grace can overflow in superabundance, and the water is clear again, where fish can, can reside and people can drink from it. This is what Christ wants to do, us, do for us. Um, so as you walk this road with the Lord today, accompany him. And as you're accompanying him, don't just... Focus. I, I encourage you to focus on what he did at every moment, but also ask him why he did it. Because when you understand why he did it, you'll see that not only are you accompanying him, but he is accompanying you. Just like when I would accompany my father and saying, walking the stations of the cross, Jesus accompanied us as we walked each Sunday night saying the stations. Yeah, one of the things that uh, we would use when our kids were small, we've kept these, uh, were these simple one-page stations of the cross that the kids would draw, and uh, a simple prayer at the bottom, and and we would pray these regularly with the kids. And we would try to focus the kids on what Jesus did for us. But it isn't just that he was condemned to die, it's that we are condemned to die, and he's accompanying us. It's like Jesus said that day when it's the station one, Jesus is condemned to death. I, Tom, am condemned to death due to my, either through no fault of my own and I am ridiculed in some way and I am persecuted. Christ is with me in those moments. Or when through my own fault, I am accused. And what does Jesus say? Father, let me be condemned instead. Let me take the hit for Tom. Let me take the punishment that he deserves. I will do that instead. Or perhaps when we see Veronica wiping the face of Jesus, we say he allowed Veronica to wipe his face and be comforted by him so that when I'm in those moments, Jesus will come and wipe my face and he will comfort me when I am lonely 
when I am despairing, uh, when I'm in that moment of real jealousy or whatever, he comes and he wipes my face with consolation, with love, with empathy, with compassion. He doesn't look down upon me and say, well, look at him. He accompanies me in that moment. When Jesus' clothes are torn from him, why? And so that, spiritually speaking, when I am being torn, when I am being broken, Jesus is saying, I can feel that. I know that, Tom. I understand your pain. I understand your suffering. I went through this, and I am with you. I will accompany you through those difficult times. So not only today are we accompanying Jesus, but we also allow Christ to take us to the places where he shows us where he is accompanying us. In closing, I know there's so much more we could say, but I would let me just say this. My father passed away recently. He lives in, or he lived in Denver. I live here in Georgia, and so I would try to go visit him once a month, go out there. And one thing that he and I would try to do every day as he was in his hospital bed was pray the Stations of the Cross. We would accompany Jesus every day. It was my dad's favorite prayer. And one day as I was praying, my dad's breaths kind of got short. And I thought, oh my goodness, I, I, this could be it. Wouldn't that be a grace for him that my father, that God would take him during this prayer, his, this pr special prayer. And I stopped for a minute and I just closed my eyes. And then my father said, Tom, which startled me. I'm like, oh, he didn't die. <laughs> okay. He's like, Tom, Jesus, he's there. He's accompanying us. Do you see him? He's stumbling and he's falling. And he's carrying our cross when we can't carry it. You see, he, my dad really, he wasn't perfect. He was far from a perfect man like any of us. But he did understand the importance of accompanying Jesus so that he would not be alone. My father would not be alone in his darkest times. During those six months when my dad was walking Calvary, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he, so to speak, was being crucified in his own way, Jesus was there with him, and he was accompanying him through those dark times. My prayer for us today is that we allow Christ to accompany us as we accompany him along the road to Calvary, as he's being nailed, as he's being raised in the cross, and as he gives up his life to the Father for every one of us, for the forgiveness of our sins, we accompany him and we let him accompany us. God bless you.